The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It does not constitute legal or other professional advice. No one connected with this podcast can be responsible for your use of the information discussed. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and do not represent the opinions of any other person or entity. These views are subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Welcome to Leaf, Legal Issues in Policing, a podcast blending the demands of the book with the rulings from the bench through the lens of the bag. Police officers with a solid understanding of the law and their legal powers are more confident, competent, and effective. Each and every episode will examine a legal issue in policing by reviewing current Canadian criminal case law from coast to coast to coast. Be prepared to uncover a legal lesson that will improve your decision making. Now let's leap in. Hello everyone, my name is Mike Nowakowski, your podcast host, and you are listening to Leap, Legal Issues in Policing. First, I would like to offer a shout out to members of the Abbey PD. Recently, I went for a night hike up the Abbey Grind. At about midnight, I was looking out over the city. The moon was up, the sky was clear, and the stars were shimmering. I could see the illumination from the houses, vehicles, and street lights that populate the area. I just felt so grateful that the men and women of the Abbey PD were out and about keeping the city safe responding to the calls of help from people in horrible situations. I then immediately thought that this is happening not just in the city where I am standing, but all across this nation. In the remote areas of our north, from the Pacific to the Atlantic, urban and rural communities, small and big cities. And every day at every hour, men and women don their uniform to protect its population, even those who choose to put themselves in harm's way. For that, I salute each and every one of you. Now on with this episode. It's not an uplifting topic, but very important nonetheless. Have you ever heard of the term snow job? The Cambridge Dictionary defines a snow job as persuading someone that something is true when it is not. Other words with similar meaning that come to mind are sham, pretense, fake, phony, bogus, and BS. How does that relate to policing? Sadly, some officers say they were using their Provincial Traffic Safety Act powers to stop a vehicle, but a judge finds in fact they were not. Somehow the officer thought that if they simply offered a purpose for their stop related to traffic safety, whether it be an observed violation or just a random stop to enforce traffic or vehicle safety laws, such as licensing, registration, mechanical fitness, or driver sobriety, the stop will be insulated from the rigors of Section 9 or Section 10 charter scrutiny. After all, if properly conducted, a random or arbitrary traffic stop breaching Section 9 is saved by Section 1 of the Charter as a reasonable limit, and a motorist Section 10B right to counsel is suspended. You know the kind of vehicle stop I'm talking about. It's brief, minimally intrusive, and limited to what is reasonably necessary for you to carry out your mission, whether it be warning the motorist, writing a ticket, administering a roadside screening test, or ordering a vehicle off the road because it is unsafe. In the criminal context, however, the police need a reasonable suspicion to support an investigative detention or reasonable grounds to support an arrest. In such circumstances, the right to counsel is triggered, and if you don't have enough grounds to meet the applicable threshold, the detention or arrest will be arbitrary and breach Section 9. There is no Section 1 savior in the investigative detention context. With that in mind, this episode will take a look at the Ontario Superior Court of Justice decision, cited as R.V. Robertson, 2022, ONSC 5795. A link to the case can be found in the episode notes so you can have a read for yourself. I will add this though, I have recently read similar cases with similar results. An officer saying they stopped the vehicle for traffic safety purposes, yet the judge hearing the case didn't accept the officer's stated purpose, and instead found the officer was embarking on a criminal investigation for which the necessary grounds to do so were lacking, 
or non-existent. This conclusion by a judge led to findings of several charter breaches and usually the exclusion of evidence, including guns and dangerous drugs. And the involved officer's name now appears in a reported court judgment in which their credibility has been seriously undermined. So let's get into the facts of Robertson. At about 10.20 in the morning, a police officer and his partner were attending to an unrelated matter when the officer saw a white Mitsubishi Lancer driven by an unknown male approaching his location. The officer recognized the vehicle's front seat passenger as a known drug trafficker. The officer recorded and ran the license plate number of the vehicle and discovered that it was registered to a female. Preoccupied with the other matter, neither the officer nor his partner were able to stop the Lancer to investigate. After the officers wrapped up the other matter, about 25 minutes later, they saw the Lancer a short distance away. But now the unknown male was by himself. The officer said he could not see a front license plate because it was either covered with snow or not attached to the vehicle. The vehicle was stopped, allegedly under Ontario's Highway Traffic Act, to investigate the license plate and to determine whether the unknown male had a driver's license. Remember, the vehicle was registered to a female. The officer approached the driver's side of the Lancer but never checked the front license plate to see if it was obscured or missing. The driver, Richard Robertson, identified himself on request and said he did not have a driver's license. A CPIC search then revealed Robertson was a prohibited driver and the subject of a release order with a condition not to operate a motor vehicle. Robertson was arrested, removed from the vehicle, searched and taken to the police cruiser where he was advised of his right to counsel. The arresting officer's partner then looked in the Lancer and saw some cash in its open driver's door. While picking up the money, the searching officer saw a pencil case, which he also picked up and searched. The pencil case contained a package with 53 grams of methamphetamine and 45 heroin pills. Robertson was charged with possessing a controlled substance for the purpose of trafficking, failing to comply with a release order, and driving while disqualified. At trial in the Ontario Superior Court of Justice, the searching officer testified that he seized the currency incident to arrest because it is his policy to seize and collect anything of value. He then continued the search for reasons of officer safety incident to arrest. A search he limited to the immediate area of the driver's seat, including the door, center console, and under the seat. The searching officer testified he was not certain whether Robertson would be returning to the vehicle before being taken to the police station or if he was going to be released on an undertaking at the scene. As such, there remained a risk that Robertson would access knives or small firearms if he returned to the vehicle. The searching officer testified he believed that he had the authority to search the vehicle either incident to arrest for the prohibited driving charge or as an inventory search of an impounded vehicle. So let's look at the accused take on all of this. Robertson claimed that the traffic stop was a ruse. The police were saying one thing to hide their true intentions. He suggested this was not a legitimate stop under the Highway Traffic Act. Instead, its real reason was to engage in a drug trafficking investigation by stopping the vehicle something for which the police had no reasonable grounds to do. As the argument goes, the police cannot use Highway Traffic Act powers to conduct drug investigations based upon mere suspicion. The stop was therefore unlawful, rendering it arbitrary under Section 9 of the Charter. Robertson also threw in a Section 10A breach, the right to be informed of the reason for detention. He said he was not informed of the true reason for his initial detention, that being a drug trafficking investigation. This real reason, he said, would require the immediate advisement of his right to counsel under Section 10B of the Charter. Of course, it was also argued that the searches of both the vehicle and the pencil case were unreasonable under Section 8 because the initial detention and subsequent arrest were both unlawful. The common law power is search incident to a lawful arrest, not search incident to an unlawful one. 
and an inventory search following the unlawful detention and subsequent illegal arrest was unauthorized and unreasonable as well. Robertson wanted the drugs excluded as evidence. Without the drugs, there could be no conviction for possessing something that did not, in theory, exist. Now here is how the Crown explained the encounter. In its view, this was a legitimate traffic stop. The police were properly investigating a driver who was not the registered owner of the vehicle and the front license plate of the vehicle was not visible. When stopped, Robertson immediately volunteered that he was driving without a license, giving the police grounds to arrest him under the Highway Traffic Act. He was then afforded a Section 10A and 10B rights at that time. The search of the vehicle was then incident to arrest and was necessary for officer and public safety. And if that didn't fly, the police were authorized and even obligated to conduct an inventory search in the circumstances. And one last Hail Mary by the Crown. Even if the police got it wrong, the evidence should be admitted, not excluded, under Section 24.2 of the Charter. So what do you think? Was this a lawful stop? Well, if you thought the traffic-related purpose for the stop was a snow job, you were thinking just like the judge. He didn't buy what the police were selling. Here is what the judge said in setting up his decision, and I quote, In cases assessing the lawfulness of a roadside detention, the court must make a factual determination as to whether the officer had a road safety purpose in mind or whether the officer was using the Highway Traffic Act power as a ruse to conduct a criminal investigation, end quote. What does this mean? I think the judge is simply saying that an officer's testimonial declaration of purpose does not dictate a factual finding of purpose. Just because a police officer says it is so doesn't mean it is. Just because an officer could stop a vehicle for a traffic-related purpose doesn't mean they did. In this case, the judge concluded the officers were not motivated to stop the vehicle because its front license plate was obscured or missing, or because they were concerned the unknown driver might not be licensed. And this is why. Number one. The officer apparently had no difficulty reading the license plate on the Lancer when he first saw it. While it was not clear whether the officer first saw the front plate or the back plate, the judge found it was more likely to be the front plate because the vehicle was approaching the officer from the front. Otherwise, the officer would have remembered the front plate was missing or obscured because he would have had to divert his attention to the back plate. Number two. It would be too fanciful to accept that the front plate became so obscured by snow or ice or that it suddenly went missing in the 24 minutes between the officer's first and second sighting of the vehicle. Number three, if the town's weather conditions were so conducive to the accumulation of snow or ice on Robertson's front plate sufficient enough to obscure it, then his vehicle would not have been the only vehicle in the vicinity with an obstructed plate. The judge found it highly unlikely that the officers would have felt it necessary to pull Robertson's vehicle over in such circumstances, especially when the plate number had been detected and recorded just minutes before. Number four, neither officer took the time to walk to the front of the vehicle in the moments following the vehicle stop to check whether the plate was obscured or missing. This convinced the judge the entire license plate issue was simply a ruse for the use of the broad powers afforded by the Highway Traffic Act to pull the vehicle over. Instead, the officer saw the known drug trafficker in the vehicle moments before the traffic stop, and the only reason for the stop was to investigate a possible drug deal. Number five, the judge said it was odd that the arresting officer would not have mentioned in some detail to his partner the obscured or missing license plate. The judge found it too incredible that the arresting officer would just happen to make an observation or find an issue with the front license plate on a random vehicle which his partner had failed to notice 24 minutes previously. To the judge, it was far more likely that the arresting officer informed his partner about the known drug trafficker sighting 
and this sparked both officers' interest in the vehicle. Number six, in the judge's view, the chances that two traffic officers could randomly come upon the very same vehicle in which they had spotted a known drug dealer 24 minutes earlier were slim to the point of impossibly remote in this particular city, given its size. The judge inferred that spotting the known drug dealer in the Lancer prompted the officers to either follow or search for the vehicle in the context of a drug investigation. Number seven, the judge rejected the officer's claim that he had a legitimate concern the driver may not be licensed because the plates were registered to a female. The officer even said that he would have conducted the traffic stop if there was no issue with the obscured or missing license plate. This didn't make sense to the judge. First, the vehicle was not being driven improperly. Second, it is commonplace for an individual to drive another person's vehicle. Vehicles are frequently, almost routinely, operated by non-owners. In this case, Robertson might easily have been the vehicle owner's partner or family member. And third, because the officer was determined to conduct the vehicle stop without regard to the license plate issue, supported the inference that Highway Traffic Act considerations were not the focus of this investigation. So to sum this up, Robertson's detention was unlawful. A potential drug offense was the sole or only reason for the police officer's decision to conduct the stop. The judge found the police decision to stop the vehicle had nothing to do with the Highway Traffic Act. Quote, The police did not subjectively intend to investigate any concerns with the vehicle's front plate or the license status of its operator. The police used their powers as a pretext to pursue a drug investigation. End quote. Since the detention was unlawful, Robertson was arbitrarily detained under Section 9 of the Charter. Remember, an unlawful detention is an arbitrary one. This led to a chain of further charter breaches. Since the vehicle stop was part of a drug investigation, Robertson should have been advised of this when he was pulled over. But he wasn't. So there was a Section 10A charter breach. And the Section 10B charter advisement was also required. Now you might say, wait a minute, I don't advise people of their Section 10B right when I conduct a traffic stop. If it is a legitimate highway traffic stop, you are not required to do so. Remember, a brief lawful Highway Traffic Act stop has been found to be incompatible with the requirement that the detained motorist be advised of the right to counsel and afforded an opportunity to exercise that right. Although a driver stopped for the enforcement of traffic safety laws is detained, the police do not have to provide the driver with their rights under Section 10B as a reasonable limit justified under Section 1 of the Charter. But, to fit within the Section 1 exemption carved out for the enforcement of traffic safety laws under provincial motor vehicle legislation, it is not simply the purpose of the traffic safety stop that justifies not providing the driver with the right to counsel, but also the fact that such a stop is brief, minimally intrusive, and limited to what is reasonably necessary to achieve the purpose of the stop. The detention in this case did not meet these requirements. The judge didn't find this to be a dual-purpose stop or that it even started as a valid highway traffic stop that transformed into a detention for criminal investigative purposes. The judge found the only reason for this stop was a criminal investigation about drugs which engaged the right to counsel under Section 10B. But the right to counsel for possessing and trafficking in controlled substances was not provided until after the unlawful search of the vehicle and some 10 minutes after the initial detention. This was an unwarranted and unreasonable delay. By not advising Robertson of the true reason for his detention at the time of the stop, he was denied the immediate and meaningful right to counsel for the real reason he was being investigated. As for the search of the vehicle, it was unreasonable because the detention was unlawful. 
a search and seizure stemming from an unlawful act is not reasonable. Here is how the judge said it, quote, The accused detention under the Highway Traffic Act having been a pretext for a drug investigation and therefore unlawful, any search conducted in the wake of that unlawful police conduct, be it a search incident to detention or arrest, or an inventory search, could not be reasonable. End quote. And even if the arrest was lawful, a search incident to arrest was not warranted. There were simply no issues of officer safety. Nothing in the vehicle posed a threat to police. Robertson had been compliant with police and he was cuffed and in custody within moments of exiting his vehicle. There was no subjective or objective possibility of Robertson returning to his vehicle or accessing the pencil case. And if the searching officer did have a concern of Robertson possibly being released, he could have asked the arresting officer, who was steps away in the police cruiser, before conducting the search. And a search wouldn't turn up evidence in support of the charges. Remember, Robertson was arrested for driving while disqualified and breaching a release condition not to operate a motor vehicle. The judge found there was no evidence that needed to be preserved or searched for in the vehicle, the pencil case, or anywhere else. Police already had the information they required to support the charges of arrest. The searching officer testified that it was always his practice to search the immediate area after an arrest. The judge noted that this practice of always conducting a search was a long-standing, systemic, and illegal use of police powers, which made the charter breach serious. So what was the result of all of this? Well, you probably know the answer to that. The judge excluded the drugs and the Crown was not permitted to introduce or refer to any evidence found in Robertson's vehicle from the time it was stopped. So what legal lessons can we learn from this case and others like it? Number one. Provincial motor vehicle legislation provides the police with broad powers to stop motor vehicles for highway regulation and safety purposes. But these powers have limits that must be respected. The existence of these powers does not automatically make motor vehicle stops lawful because you are not free to use these powers for some other purpose, including to further a criminal investigation. These powers were granted for the purpose of ensuring road safety. Number two. Judges will ensure that you use these powers in a manner consistent with their purpose. If you do not have road safety purposes subjectively in mind, you cannot rely on these powers to authorize your stop. You must honestly be exercising these powers for a legitimate purpose. If you are not honestly exercising these powers for a legitimate purpose, you must be able to point to some other legal authority for your stop. If you cannot point to any other legal authority for your stop, such as the investigative detention doctrine, your stop will not be authorized by law and it will violate Section 9 of the Charter. The judge will determine whether you actually formed a legitimate intention to detain for road safety purposes. Number three, and this is important, you can have more than one purpose in mind when you stop a vehicle. For example, your detention could be lawful if you subjectively have both road safety and another legitimate purpose in mind, including the investigation of criminal activity. But this additional police purpose, provided it's proper, does not allow you to go beyond the scope of a stop contemplated by the road safety purpose. If you make inquiries, search or prolong the stop for the criminal-related purpose, you now need to have the necessary ground to detain for investigation or arrest, as the case may be, and comply with Section 10A and B in relation to your criminal purpose. But that's not what happened in the Robertson case. The judge did not find the police had a legitimate road safety purpose in mind while simultaneously having a criminal law purpose in mind. Remember, the judge said the sole reason for the stop was suspicion of drug trafficking. 
the judge outright rejected the traffic safety purposes offered by police. And since the officer did not have a legitimate road safety purpose in mind, using the Highway Traffic Act authority as a mere ruse or pretext to stop the vehicle in order to investigate the drug trafficking made the detention unlawful. Number four, if you do strike the evidentiary jackpot from a traffic stop, treat the initial traffic violation as a major crime. Now, of course, I'm being facetious here, but you're going to be challenged in court about the legitimacy of your initial stop. Some officers have stopped vehicles for a so-called traffic offense, yet the offense didn't even actually exist. If you think the U-turn you witnessed was illegal, make sure you are aware of any exceptions to making such a U-turn. Take pictures of the equipment violation. If the front plate is missing, take a picture. If the windshield is cracked, take a picture. If the brake light is broken, take a picture. And make good notes. If the driver was speeding, make notes about it. What was the speed limit? Why did you believe the motorist was speeding? Did you use radar, pace the vehicle, or estimate its speed? If the driver failed to signal a lane change, make notes about it. When and where did they make the lane change? Were there other vehicles around? Did the lane change impact others? Did you have a clear view of the vehicle's signal light? Could the driver have used a hand signal, but you just didn't see it? I understand that finding a gun or drugs may make the traffic infraction seem so minor it's hardly worth addressing anymore, but that's not how lawyers and judges view it. After all, but for the traffic infraction, you would have not stopped the vehicle. Defense counsel are going to want to know things like this. Did you tell the driver about the traffic offense when you pulled them over? Did you quickly abandon your traffic or regulatory investigation after making the stop? Were your questions directed towards criminal matters as opposed to traffic matters? Did you ask for a driver's license, registration, or insurance? To what extent did you extend questioning to passengers? And did you attempt to identify the passengers? Did you write a ticket for the traffic offense? Be prepared for these types of questions. Number five, in determining the police purpose, a judge will consider all of the circumstances, including the testimony of the officers, the evidence of the accused, the circumstances of the stop, and the police conduct during the stop. And that's just what the judge did in this case. Remember, just because you can exercise your powers under traffic legislation for purposes related to driving and regulation doesn't mean you did, at least in the mind of a judge. There's so much more we could cover about traffic stops, about having more than one purpose in pulling a motorist over, and about the types of questions you can ask. But I know you are busy, so we will leave that for another day. If you think this podcast would interest others, please share it. And if you have a topic you would like discussed in a future episode, you can email me at legalissuesinpolicing at gmail.com. That's legalissuesinpolicing at gmail.com. Or maybe you feel like providing me with some feedback. Either way, I would love to hear from you. And remember, be careful what you practice. You might get good at it. Be smart and stay safe.